Well, how about those Colorado Buffaloes? What a night in Boulder last Saturday night. I'm Trevor Monroe, and I had the privilege of attending uh, that game. I had great seats behind uh, the Colorado bench. Uh, it was a, a wonderful evening, and wow, full of uh, dramatics in a double overtime 37-34 win over Oregon State, which was a formidable opponent. I mean, they were the real deal. Um, so let's get into some of the uh, takeaways uh, from that game. There was a lot of good things happening. Uh, from there, uh, we'll look at our our next opponent, uh, UCLA, uh, which will be this Saturday evening in the in the Rose Bowl. And I'll conclude with uh, with some thoughts on how the Buffs uh, could really uh, kind of set bigger things in motion with a strong finish this year. Let's get into some key takeaways, and there were quite a few. Um, I'll start with what I thought uh, was the best show of resilience. Uh, by the buffs in quite some time, being able to come back, being able to survive, you know, the the momentum swings and, and the overtimes. Uh, and as Carl Durrell mentioned in the post game, they were able to to grow up really in that game and mature. And uh, for me, I think uh, a critical point or juncture in the game was when Oregon State, with their you know number one rushing offense in the Pac-12, took that twenty-four to twenty lead with about you know, seven minutes or so left in the fourth quarter. Um, the Buffs on their following drive had a three and out. They punted. They gave uh, OSU the best field position of the whole night, and they had the lead. So uh, things were not looking good, but the Buffs' defense forced a three and out when they needed it most. That was big. Uh, it was also big that the ensuing drive, the Buffs were able to march uh, down the field 73 yards they did it through explosive plays. Jarek Broussarda, 59, sorry, 49-yard run. Uh, Deion Smith had some strong running. They got in the red zone uh, from about 11 yards out. Brennan Rice uh, does a reverse, puts it in the end zone, runs it in. We get a holding penalty. Um, and lo and behold, on third down, third and uh, 17, I think it was, uh, Brennan Lewis had some poise. He's able to avoid the rush a little bit, stepped up in the pocket, and found Monta- Montana Lamonius Craig uh, for the go-ahead touchdown. Uh, so I think that that uh, those few series, kind of lose, losing the lead, getting a key stop, driving down the field, not uh, not getting set back by the holding call, but just coming back on that next play and putting it in the end zone. Uh, it's really a milestone for me uh, on how the bu- how far the Buffs have come offensively, and and um, maybe a reflection we'll see uh, of just uh, of where they're at offensively. Certainly, there were a lot of things I'll get into that later uh, that I'm seeing that uh, they're able to do uh, in this game. They're bringing uh, different parts of the game together and and putting forward a, a much better product and more sophisticated offense, etc. Uh, so let's look at the defense first because they they really did a great job. They had a, a huge challenge. Uh, they were faced with holding the Pac-12's one of the be- Pac-12's best offenses, um, especially in the running game in check, and they had to do it without their uh, leading tackler Nate Lamon. 
Uh, so this was a double overtime game, but the Buffs were able to contain uh, OSU's running game uh, for 221 total yards uh, compared to their average of 230. A big reason for that, the defensive line stepped up big uh, and they were able to kind of frustrate some of OSU's blocking schemes and polling schemes and so forth. Some of it was scheme, I think, through slants, but uh, the boys up front, especially Mustafa Johnson and Jalen Sammy, had great games. They really made their presence felt, and that was also reflected in the two of those players having the top uh, performance, individual performance rating on professional uh, pro football focus for that game. Uh, I thought the outside linebackers also did a really good job. Um, Carson Wells had a particularly great game, five pressures, one sack, and uh, Yoshka Gustav, backup outside linebacker who was in for Guy Thomas, had some key pressures and a, a, a great, possibly game-saving tackle on that drive, uh, the three-and-out drive I just mentioned. Uh, he got off his block, got a shoestring uh, tackle um, that, helped, uh, that helped put the buffs in position for that go-ahead score. Um, in the fourth quarter, not in overtime. Uh, offensively, uh, offensively, it was it was also uh, uh, a lot to appreciate. Uh, the Buffs did get off to their fastest start all year, and they were multiple in their formations, uh, in their uh, blocking schemes up front. They had creative play design uh, with jet sweeps. Uh, even Matt Lynch, the tight end, uh, took a snap behind center and uh, did a did a sneak, push it forward. But I think uh, uh, congratulations uh, for sure uh, to uh, Darren Chevrini and I, I think Carl Durrell and, and Danny Langstorff, who were involved in some of the uh, playbook design and the play calling. I assume that was all Chev, but they did a wonderful job. Uh, the offensive line uh, just really continued to uh shine it's uh i don't i can't remember a time in watching football where i've ever seen uh such an impressive like turnaround but they didn't allow any sacks uh they created running lanes and uh i think it was the uh, certainly i think in my opinion the best running performance uh of the season and i think it's true it's also the best running performance in statistical production. I'll have to check that. If it's not this game, it was the opener probably against an FBS opponent, uh, FCS opponent, uh, Northern Colorado. Uh, but the Buffs rushing game was on par with OSU. And keep in mind, not only OSU is the leader of the Pac-12 and rushing yards uh, per carry and so forth, but also fourth in the nation. Uh, the Buffs had 42 running plays for 222 yards, five-yard average. Uh, Jerk Roussard had his first 100-yard game, had 150 yards. OSU is about in the same boat, 39 carries, 226 uh, total uh, with 5.4 average. So very comparable numbers in the running game. Brennan Lewis had a relatively uh, good day. Passing uh, statistics-wise, uh, he was 15 for 24, three touchdowns, no picks. And his time to throw, which if you've been following this podcast, I've been really uh, focusing on that because it's, you know, ideally it should be around 2.7, 2.8. It was uh, uh, decent, uh, 3.1. 
3.19 to be pretty precise. But I think, you know, considering a lot of his things are rollouts, um, I don't think he needs to get down to, you know, 2.7, 2.8. Like, a, I think that's probably uh, ideal for a drop back, conventional drop back. But the rollouts, you don't need to uh, get rid of it quite as quickly in most cases. Um, Brendan Lewis also added a rushing TD, which is great, and uh, no turnovers. Um, the other thing I will uh, mention is that there were quite a few young players just really stepping up, especially in the secondary. Trevor Woods had a great game. Uh, Tyron Taylor, Nico Reed, and Kalen Moore, you know, in the nickel and the corner positions, all saw significant time. Uh, Trustin Oliver, another safety, he's playing an important role in uh, special teams now. So. I am. Uh, I, I guess. I, I guess I'm pleasantly surprised by how many uh, freshmen are making the impact uh, on this team. So, you know, finally, just I think, just speaking to the to the maturity, the Buffs maintain their poise. There was just this highly improbable series of events that led OSU to that uh, 60 yard. Uh, record tying field goal is the I think OSU kicker tied Mason Cross Crosby's record of 60 yards, but um, you know once that happened, I, I think a lot of uh, Buff fans were just like, "Wow, how can we? How could we just let that one go?" Uh, and OSU um, is a great team; you can't give them too many chances. But sure enough, the uh, Buffs rose to the occasion, um, and they forced a second overtime. Uh, they got a stop. They were given a gift. OSU kicker goes from hero to zero. Uh, misses the misses the uh, the short field goal, and the Buffs were able to uh, uh, get the win as Cole Becker converted his first ever uh, winning field goal at the college level, at least. So, um, so yeah, it was it was that that post field celebration. I was I <laughs> I was part of it, and I and I'm glad I was. I think we we all deserved it. Uh, as Buff fans for showing up uh, to you know continuing to show up and support the team, uh, it was a great crowd. It was a great night, and it was a dramatic game. And it was, uh, uh, I think, it was well deserved that we were able to get out there on the field. And it wasn't too much like you know pandemonium. I've only been on the field a couple times. Uh, once was that Nebraska win, and maybe one other time. But this time it was. Uh, pretty relaxed. I was with my kid and we were able to, uh, you know, uh, at least say, say hello to several players and a few coaches. And, um, uh, I thought it was, uh, just a, a wonderful capstone to, uh, a great night. So that's that. Let's see if we can, uh, keep it going against, uh, UCLA. We'll look into some of their numbers next. Okay. Let's get into analysis of this week's opponent, UCLA. Um, much like Oregon State, uh, UCLA's strength lies in their running game. They, uh, they run behind a very experienced, very athletic offensive line, and they have a lot of different like diverse uh, formations and blocking schemes uh, that they use. Probably the most creative that we'll see all season and perhaps uh, up there amongst the top in all in all football for example they'll spread their tackles like 10 yards wide on some formations and they'll run out of that formation so uh uh they are they are strong at the point of attack with rushing their experience they play behind a very uh, talented offensive line uh they're all rated 
above average and excellence uh, in the professional football focus categories. Uh, they have a powerful and strong running backs, number 24, Charbonnet, who's a transfer from uh, Michigan, is their highest uh, productive runner. Uh, number 28, Brown, is also in that mold. They're powerful. They get a lot of yards, uh, tough yards inside, a lot of yards after contact. And the quarterback, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, DTR, is also a running threat. So uh, so we're, we're going to have our work cut out for us uh, stopping that that running game. Uh, the passing game, on the other hand, is a little bit Jekyll and Hyde. DTR can make ex- explosive plays in the passing game, but he's also had some poor games and sometimes, uh, you know, uh, has his ups and downs for sure, to say the least, in the passing game. So um, one thing to watch for, though, is the tight end. Uh, they have a few tight ends. Greg Dulcich is one of them that could be problematic, and especially their scheme, which tends to put a lot of stress on the outside linebackers and safeties to either stop DTR from running or uh, to prevent that tight end from kind of getting behind them. If they do come up to stop the run, that tight end uh, can can slip behind those outside linebackers. Um, the, the Achilles heel of the UCLA defense is their pass coverage. Both their corners have, you know, rather average performance ratings. And according to uh, some, they have a real problem just schematically stopping uh, screen passes. But let's uh, let's keep an eye on that corner matchup because uh, it depends on what UCLA does uh, stacking the box, which a lot of teams have done against CU. But that will allow for the, some of these one-on-one matchups on the outside. And uh, you know, with with the return of Chenault. And now Brendan Rice and that cast, uh, uh, CU is going to be tough to cover. So if we can if we can protect the passer, I think we have a real opportunity to exploit some of those one on one matchups that we might see because UCLA is not so good in coverage area. Um, I'll go through a couple numbers. I like to look at the, you know, these these rankings from uh, Pro Football Focus from Power Rank, uh, from College Football Edge, and others, just to put things in perspective. But uh, Vegas favors uh, UCLA by 18 points as of this podcast, and Power Rank gives them an 80% uh, win probability. So a lot of these uh, numbers are based on statistical models, which may not reflect or be representative of where CU is at, especially in the last couple of games, especially with an offensive line that performs pretty well and a, and a quarterback with some time and confidence. Uh, but on on the statistical measures and, and, and metrics, UCLA has uh, quite a bit of a significant edge, especially offensively. Um, so if you look at just an overall, uh, I'll look at, take, for example, the FBS power ranking, which takes into consideration uh, lots of variables across offense and defense. They rank F, uh, UCLA as 29th out of 130 teams, uh, whereas CU is 99th out of 130 teams. Um, so all these other numbers that I will I will present here, they're all in terms of ranking. Like where do these uh, teams rank in terms of these, this metric out of the 130 FBS teams? Um, so a key one that kind of predicts success offensively is points per drive. Uh, UCLA is 18th in the country, whereas C- CU is near the, the bottom, 121st on points per drive. Uh, the flip side of that, points 
allowed per drive on defense. UCLA is 90. CU is actually better there. They're, they're 83rd. Um, let's look at the yards per play on offense um, and the yards per and break that down into yards per rush play and the yards per pass play. So all three of those measures, yards per play, yards per rush play, yards per pass play, UCLA is in the 30s, kind of mid-30s, um, whereas CU falls in the mid-80s or so, 80 to 85. So they, they do have a, a much stronger uh, ranked offense. Um, I won't go through all of these, but let's look at one in particular um, yards per pass play on defense. Uh, so actually both teams are pretty close here. UCLA is 75th, uh, CU is, is 71st. But I think uh, as we get into some of the keys for the buffs in the next section, uh, we'll look to see how we can exploit some of their weaknesses in the passing game. We're obviously going to have to slow down uh, this this powerful running attack that they have, and it won't be easy without Nate Landman. All right, so we'll get into that next. Well, for the Buffs to be successful against UCLA, they're going to have to uh, do something to contain the run, and they're going to have to continue their impressive performance uh, offensively in the offensive line to keep drives going. Uh, but there are a couple things in particular I want to, to mention. So uh, according to Hathaday, who works at Addicted to Quack, an Oregon uh, duck site, he does some uh, analysis. He looks at film and his recommendation is to use the screen as much as uh, we can because the UCLA defense has real problems uh, covering the screen. And from what I've seen in the last three or four games, the Buffs' uh, strength is actually their screen game. They were able to get you know, tight ends, Brady Russell. They're able to get wide receivers uh, like Jerry Rice involved in some of those short screens and even uh, some of the running backs out of the backfield into, into the screens and bubble screens. So uh, that's one area where uh, UCLA is weak, and I think the Buffs are coming on strong. Uh, the second thing, uh, I mentioned this in the analysis of UCLA, but they, they're poor in pass coverage, especially on the corner position. And that's where we possibly have the most dynamic duo in the Pac-12 now with Brendan Rice and uh, Vontae Chenault now that he's back. Uh, Yogi Roth, who does a podcast, a really great podcast with Ted Robinson, also suggested that they might be uh, possibly the best in the Pac-12 in terms of athleticism. Uh, so, so if the Buffs continue to see some of those one-on-one -on -one matchups on the outside, and we've been seeing those because defenses have not been respecting the run, um, but if, if that continues, I do think we have a possibility there to really exploit their weak corners, not just Rice and Chenault, but Daniel Arias, boy, did he have a great uh, uh, stop and go route last week. He is very fast and big on the outside. Uh, uh, we also have Montana Lemonius Craig. He'll be going back. He's from Inglewood uh, and, and another, the rest of the cast, like Dimitri Stanley, not sure if he'll be in this week, but Chase Penry Robinson and, um, Others uh, are really able to win those one-on-one -on -one matchups. Um, of course, if we're going to, you know, 
be able to to hit those guys on the outside. We need pass protection, and the Buffs' offensive line has been doing outstanding last couple of games, especially last game. Um, but Jacob Wiley did have a little bit of a scare there. He didn't miss any time, but he he uh, he dinged up his knee a bit. And Max Ray is in, out indefinitely, the other tackle. So we're a bit thin at the tackle position. Uh, so we need to to hold up and be healthy and, and give Brennan Lewis time in order to hit those playmakers on the outside. A strong start wouldn't would not hurt. I think that was the key to our win last year. We got off to two or three quick scores. Um, you know, the Rose Bowl is not really a hard base place to play, but if we get a few early scores, uh, you know, the home crowd, home field advantage should be, uh, you know, even less of a factor. Um, really important that we slow down UCLA's running game and force DTR to pass. Like I said, he can beat you with the pass, but he's a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde, but their running game is legit. Uh, and we will likely be again without our leading tackler, Nate Lamon. So, uh, it's, it might be, you know, the same playbook, maybe not the exact same, but similar to the tactics that were used against OSU, um, where we use slants and, uh, really aggressive play from the defensive line to stop what the offensive linemen were doing, uh, scheme wise, like trying to pull and, um, do some of those, uh, uh, blocking schemes that, uh, they use. So, uh, so. You know, another strong game by Mustafa Johnson, uh, by by Jalen Sammy and, and Terrence Lang, I think will go a long way to slowing that down. But uh, we're going to need better play from the middle linebackers. Quinn Perry and Lamb, I thought they did better, actually, you know, in per- just watching them against OSU. But again, their their ratings across the board are pretty low. So they need to step up their game, as does Marvin Ham uh, in the safeties, especially as Isaiah Lewis, strong safety, Trevor Woods, um, and Mark Perry need to uh, come up and, and run support. Um, an area where I think the Buffs have an edge, and according to Pro Football Focus, now the best special teams as a unit in in the country, isn't that something? Uh, but we have great punting game. Uh, we have great returners, Brennan Rice on the kickoff return. Now we have uh, Vontae Chenault taking punts. So I think uh, we definitely have an opportunity to leverage uh, field position in this game, and our special teams can help us do that. All right, so let me stop there and I'll uh, conclude with some final remarks. Okay, so I'll wrap up with some thoughts on what I think could be a pivotal time, you know, the the next uh, three games for the Colorado Buffalo uh, football program. I say that because there's some coaching changes, you know, there's some turmoil going on around the Pac-12. In fact, you know, Oregon State fired their defensive coordinator following the loss to the Buffs. But there's other programs, Washington State, USC, Arizona State, Cal. Uh, and if we beat UCLA this weekend, there's going to be a lot of pressure on on that on that regime and Coach Chip Kelly. Um, but I think the Buffs, if they can stay the course, you know, we went through some uh, drama, you know, throughout the season. Hopefully some of that is behind us. But if we can continue to improve on both sides of the ball and get some victories, I got to believe we will set ourselves up for you know more success in the future. Um, there were a lot of recruits who attended that game uh, last Saturday. I was sitting behind the Buffalo bench and uh, 
amidst a lot of the the recruits and their families, and that was quite an experience. So that's a that's a tough, you know. Boulder's a, a real special place in Folsom Field uh, on a Saturday night uh, when the weather's nice and the Buffs win. That's a pretty uh, impactful, impressionable experience. So I hope the Buffs can can kind of you know as you say zig what others are zagging. They can start start to string a few wins together, uh, keep bull hopes alive, and who knows this this juncture could could be uh, a path to bigger things where we we get into the uh, uh, upper echelon of college football where the Buffs belong. So that's it for me this week. Uh, good luck to the Buffs out there in Pasadena. I wish I could. I wish I could join them. Uh, maybe sometime in the future. That's one of my bucket lists is to see a, a, a Rose Bowl victory. But uh, I, I would. I would prefer to be at the actual uh, Holiday Rose Bowl uh, in January. Um, you can find the show notes uh, in the links, and you can subscribe to my newsletter. Uh, follow the podcast if you like it. And we will uh, see you next week.